I was just told that this is the 17th installment of Rinky Dinky. 17. We're going to have a library, and Congress will uh, put we, it all in there. And We should at least have a sponsor by this point. What could you possibly use? Dude wipes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the pitch right there, dude wipes. Uh, you know Contact Daryl Ray. Was, I was uh, introduced to dude wipes, and uh, I, I didn't use, use it. I'm saving it, and I'm thinking South Florida is probably the perfect locale. Break out the dude wipes. Do they have like high karate and uh, old spice? I don't. I don't know, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. This is going to be a tough segue. Uh, it's Valentine's week on <laughs> Rinky Dinking. <laughs> get some uh, for your husband, ladies. <laughs> I'll say this right up top. Let's get this out of the way. It's yours truly, Daryl Ray, along with Mike Heika, the great, illustrious, fun-loving, workaholic Jeff Totes. Managing things with the little box that looks like we're going to catch ghosts or something on our table here. Uh, Tom Holy, who was on the trip, was invited to come with Holy Puckaganda and flat out said no. He had other things to do. He had better things to do. Sunrise, Florida. I mean, it's a hot and happening place. I was shocked. I was shocked. (laughs) This is where you catch up on your sleep for the most part on Dallas Stars road trips. And he missed the last one. Anyway, so we'll, we'll hammer this out without uh, statistical malpractice midway through it. The Grammys were last night, Mike, and I know you're musically inclined. <laughs> and Jeff Totes, our merry millennial, lives for this. Uh, and you, <laughs> when we asked you prior to this, did you watch the Grammys last night? Your answer was, yes, but I had it on mute. Which seems to sort of defeat the purpose of uh, music. You could maybe do it the other way around with some of the other award shows, but I don't know. It seems like sounds kind of important to the old musical aspect of the Grammys. It's not about music anymore, Daryl. It's, it's about appearance. Look at Now you're pandering to him. Uh, but you're going to talk in this opening segment, though, Jeff, because... Can I call you Jeff, or do you prefer Totsie? Oh, okay. There is there is a long marriage uh, between music and sports, and music and hockey in particular, that goes back to, I guess, organ music played yeah. at hockey games. I wonder when the first time somebody fired up an organ or a piano... Yeah. At a hockey game. An organ, should have done some research before this. You have to. You have to have something that can blast. So I think you have to have the organ to get the sound through the uh, arena. But you remember, Mike, Totsi does not. When there was a whistle and there was no action, nope. there was nothing going on. Uh, it was a. It was a very sterile environment. I'll go back to one of my uh, since I'm so old uh, statements. Uh, I'm sitting in the press box at Reunion Arena, and back there, there was no manager's office. You sat next to Doug Armstrong and Bob Gainey, and uh, Jeff Kogan, uh, who uh, spent Mm. some time here in Florida and also spent some time in the circus, loved loud music. And he amped it up in these stoppages of play, and Bob Gainey looked at me and said, is this a bit loud to you? (laughs) I said, I don't know, Bob. It's okay. He goes... I remember a time when the excitement of the hockey game yes. is what got fans excited. Yes. And yes. I just, he was so calm, and but 
it annoyed him to no end. You know, they turned the music up when the patrons arrived at Fire Festival as well. Whoa. Remember that? Yeah. I watched Fire Festival on the plane. Uh, we'll, we'll package that for another time because there's just too much to get into in that. But it is interesting. Just off the coast from here, is it yeah. not? I don't know. Where they were? I don't know. Where are the Bahamas? It was uh, the, private, the private plane for Fire Festival went through Miami. There you go. Very close to you. Wow. Like right there. Uh, I agree with Bob Ganey to get back on track. <laughs> there was a time, it seems, oh, so antiquated now, that the play would just stop and there was nothing going on. Now, they, I don't know, they may have gone overboard. Thoughts? I, I like how the stars do it because I like groups, obviously. Yes. And he, like, I like the music that he selects. I think he goes across the wide genre, tries to make all of the fans happy. Um, so I, I'm fine with it. Uh, watching some of the NBA stuff when they're actually playing music during play, that that oversteps the boundary a little bit in, in my mind. Uh, but, you know, the millennials. Love it. <laughs> See? I know. It's, well, let's break this down. Let's, let's, start with, let's start with the room. Okay, every dressing room, and this goes back for as long as right. I played the game, there's music on in there. We, we used to have to provide our own mixtapes. You had one guy that ran the music in the room. It yeah. was usually your tough guy or somebody that was into music. And it was the weirdest thing because you just think you have 20 guys in there and one guy dictates what you're going to listen to. So you better all be sort of of the same taste when it comes to music. But there's no way you were. You had some guys that enjoyed country, some guys that enjoyed this, enjoyed that. Now, this goes back to before uh, the uh, personal listening devices. I believe it was the Sony Walkman that came out during my days in junior hockey, wow. which just changed everything. Not everyone had Walkman money, but those that did, uh, for the most part, used them on the bus, not in the room, because the room is about everybody. Right. Whereas now, it's not. You go in there, and everybody has a headset on in the NBA. Do they not? Right. But no, they definitely do. But I was thinking about this, actually, on the flight over here, and... You don't see guys with headphones on in warm-ups in hockey, where you Yet. do you do in NBA, NFL, and yes. baseball. Everyone has AirPods, Beats, and they're controlling their own playlist. But our guys obviously can't do that in warm-ups. You can't because there's harm out there. Right. You, you do have to be able to hear, and there's a communication that goes on, even in warm-up. And but, it's the same friggin' warm-up every game but it's interesting because it's not just that on is, the ice i never even thought of that even before that when they're stretching in the hallway they're playing soccer stuff like that guys don't have headphones or airpods on whereas that time in basketball football you weren't here when sean avery was here because <laughs> i don't think he ever didn't have his cans on when he no was i wasn't around. but none of our guys now are kind which of is a little zone. bit surprising although when when they get off the bus when we're on the road they get off the bus what would you say how many of them have headphones on? There's a lot. I have headphones on. Yeah. There's, yeah. I'd say 70%. But, but that's all the personalized getting yourself ready for the game. I always found it weird. I found this weird as a player. You'd get in your car, and you'd usually pool together. So it'd be two of you, and you kind of like the same thing. If you're riding to the game together, and most guys like the same thing anyway. And uh, you'd listen to that on the way down. Now, you can still drive your car and focus on signals and talk to one another with music going on your way to the game. 
Then you'd go into the building, you go into the room, there's music on in the room. You would go out to for warm-up, and there's music blasting throughout warm-up. But 20 minutes before you were going to go out for warm-up, they'd turn all the music off. And that was when everyone had to bond in there, I guess. And then at that time, every time there was a stoppage of play, well, it didn't matter whether it was a stoppage of play or not, every time there was play, the entire period, there was no music whatsoever in the right. arena. And I was just like, why is there not music all the time everywhere, like in an elevator? I'm guessing that 20 minutes of silence wasn't podcast friendly. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it was funny. It was, you, know, when you, you know when you hear guys always talk about how, what are you going to miss after they're done playing in that? Well, you know, I'm not going to miss the bruises and time away from family and the road and this and that. I'm just going to miss... I'm going to miss the guys. I'm going to miss being in that room. What they're really saying is, I am going to miss those 15 to 20 minutes in that room before we go out for a game. I hope it's still the same now. I trust it is. But that's what they were always talking about. Because if you ever want to drop a microphone in and get truth, I mean funny truth, that's the time. That is the time. So you get to warm up. Now, and it's warm up, people. Some of you in out there and around want to call it warm ups. It's not plural. There's one warm up going on. But okay? when you come out of the locker room, you got to go to warm ups. There is no plural. <laughs> Don't do that. It's not offsides uh, plural, and it's not warm ups. And there's no lockers in the locker room. There, there are no lockers. It's a dressing room. It's a dressing room in hockey. There are no locks. I'm just poking you. As soon as we put, <laughs> as soon as I see a room where there are locks, I'll call it a locker room, but it's not. Anyway, the, the warm-up music. Yes. Go. Um, it's funny. As we have this conversation, I actually now am on Tom Holy's side a little bit more. Uh, I didn't even know you weren't on Tom Holy's side. I wasn't on Tom Holy's side. The yeah, what are the are sides? Tom Holy saying that the 18 minutes before a game – the players should have complete control of the environment in the arena. So, like, there are times we go to visiting arenas, and I hate the music that the opposing team has chosen. And I'm like, this is horrible. Somebody needs to stop this. And Tom's like, well, the players chose it. And I'm like, well, then they need to not have that right but to do choose they, it. But do they choose it? That's what he says. They choose that music. The warm-up music. Out of all the music they could choose, that's what they decide to the play. Current, the current Mix It AAC was put together by one of Tyler's friends who's a DJ. But why? here's what I ask. Why doesn't it change? Now, you drop three games in a row at home. I don't want to come out and listen to the same friggin' mixtape. Yeah, I'm with you. But, but Tom said they should be able to control that because that's their time to prepare for the game. And now that I think about yeah, all the yeah. stuff that, that goes on, maybe it's not the worst idea. Here's, here's my issue, okay? Who are the most important pe people in the building on a game night? Broadcasters? Well, beyond the second most important people. Fans? Yes. Thank you. And Now, you're not going to be able to, to make every single individual fan happy with your music choice, right? But... Sometimes I've, I've gone to these, not just in hockey, other sporting events, and you listen to what they're playing at the level that they're playing, and then you look around and you're like, I don't know anybody here that is really enjoying what is going through my ear holes right now. And I hate when you see somebody with a little kid and they have to wear cans. They're playing it so loud. Right. It doesn't have to be that loud. Yeah, we're going to yell at some clouds here a little later on and tell people to get off our lawns as well. 
but it, it just doesn't seem like it should be completely 100% tailored toward the guys spinning around on the ice because they should be able to do what they get compensated to do without that. So do you especially hate the Golden Knights warm-up? Because that is... I didn't... No, 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 no. I didn't mind that. Absurdly loud. It is. Noticeably louder than any other arena. Well, Philadelphia, I think, has backed off. Maybe some of the losing that went on there (laughs) dumped that. We went in there a few years ago. Like, when I would go down and do... Try try to to, uh, do an interview with a player in warm-up on the bench, it it looked like basically lip-reading. I couldn't hear what I was saying... You know, I sounded like Marley Matlin, I'm sure, when I was trying to ask the question. And the player, you can always see the players like just leaning in intently. They're so ridiculous, you know, to be to be trying to do an interview in that environment. And television doesn't do it any justice as to just how, how loud. loud it is. How loud brown cow. It, it's it's crazy. I I the pr- biggest problem I have in warm up. And now they're into the whole DJ thing which you love. Don't nod your head so quickly. The uh, where they play just a portion of a song and then move on. Short attention span millennials. The best part. How do you know that's the best part? The DJ plays it. They trust the DJ. I do. You you know, your name, you're trustworthy. It's all. You know what? The whole arena warm up thing is about uh, woofers, subwoofers, (laughs) and woofers, because the stronger your sound system and your woofers are the less you have to crank the volume up. Interesting. What do you think about that? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, what, do you, what about, you like music on every stoppage. Now, Groobs, Groobs is an artist. Yeah, and again, I get... And he gets, he gets fond on for good reason. He, d- he does an incredible job. I don't catch it as much because I'm kind of busy at right. that time, but I do get feedback because I am omnipotent and omnipresent. And uh, and everyone just is enamored with the way he pumps sound through there and what he hits on and what he plays. I hear, you know, sometimes when I'm watching other games, I'm I can hear what's going on and I'm like, yeah, there we go, there we go. I think a lot of it is because of that sports radio drops and operating a board and being able to probably like, from his time at the ticket. instantly push the right button at the right time to get the right joke. Or music or whatever, and it's all in. And Groobs is great. I mean, it it it's relevant. It's relevant. He's to the, the play. one that should really weigh in on it. My thought, talking about hockey and music, and specifically the Dallas Stars, we can't do that without acknowledging the use of the SpongeBob song last week, and just. You talk about landing with a whole generation. It was incredible. What and generation is that? My my people who grew up watching you? SpongeBob. Mike, your thoughts on Sweet Victory and SpongeBob? I have two kids. I've watched SpongeBob for the last twenty years, and it's that, and that's probably the best episode ever, the Sweet Victory episode. It is iconic. It, like for that generation, I mean, we're talking about a gen, like this show's been on for twenty years. It spans a pretty large swath of people. I, I'm not going to say anything. I'll go with, I'll go with your opinions of that. I'm I'm good with it. I I didn't. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't see it. Okay. Uh, and if I saw it, it would not register with me. It'd be like, why is he playing a cartoon right now? I don't get it. Song I get. Yeah. It's a beauty. I know it was a Super Bowl thing. Whatever. <laughs> should, uh, should players get individual goal songs? 
We talked about this. I, I would be a fan of it, except for, I guess, the fact that goals happen so quickly and they could be changed uh, could lead to some problems. You just have a lot of record scratching. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. If, if really, really, it should be like, is that in Sweden where they have the golden helmet? You're lead, I love the golden you're helmet. Lead, you're leading That's the league Finland, in scoring. Isn't it? Is it Finland or Sweden? One it can't be two. Finland. I okay. was there. Wherever Tyler played during the lockout. <clears throat> okay. I'm sure it's Sweden. Okay. And uh, and they the leading scorer has to wear a golden helmet. Talk about a target on your head. <laughs> but uh, I think the top the top goal scorer on your team should be the only guy that gets a goal. Wow. Song. So you can. Uh, you can't have every guy. To that there, there's position. no big. There's no walk-up music in hockey. You can't. You can't do that. I'd say your goalie can have a song. You know, if you want, makes a big save. You play whatever song that is for your netminder, and your and your number one scorer. Interesting. And that's it. You can do so. Some you Bieber want. song for Sagan would be perfect. <laughs> Don't you think? He is from Toronto. Yes. Drake. Yes. Drake. It would be Drake. For sure. It would be Drake. God's plan. Which won a Grammy last night. Yes, it Which did. finishes up our first segment. Moving forward, we'll talk about Love Week. Do you know what I forgot to mention from nope. the Grammys? Vinnie Paul, who passed away in 2018 did not get mentioned or shown in the in memoriam portion wow yes and the metal fans up in arms drummer for, drummer for pantera we have the very pg-13 named goal song speaking of puck off by Vinny and company that plays in our arena and has since the yeah. 90s. Yeah, and, and all you had to do was, you know, when he died and just see the outpouring of love from a, not just the metal, no, the Grammy, from everybody. The, the Grammys hate metal. They kind of do. They do. Yeah. It's a joke. <laughs> Fraud. That's why I didn't watch. Even though the girl was playing two pianos at once, which is pretty good. Alicia Keys. See, piano keys. Get yeah. It. Yeah, I know. Anyway, it's love week. Did you know that? Look at Totes. Are you in love, Totesy? No, you're not. Mike's no longer in love, and neither am I, though. I, I kid. I joke. Valentine's is Thursday, by the way. <laughs> you should probably mark that down. We'll be at Tampa Bay. Uh, here's the, in lieu of Tom Holy, this is the anti-puckaganda. Okay. The stars have lost their last eight on Valentine's Day. And they've scored a combined 13 goals in those eight games. They're distracted thinking about their loved one. Well, you know what? You might be right. They maybe they just don't put their hearts into it on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Tootsie? No? At all? That's a dad joke. It's great. Oh, do you know my favorite narcissist? Uh, Valentine, do you know? It's, I think I'm in a love triangle. I love myself. Myself loves me. Me loves I. Isn't that beautiful? It is. So what do we love about the stars and about hockey? 
It's funny because as we were preparing this, I was thinking, you know, I like this, I like that. I'm talking love, Mike. I know, and so then I'm going to go to the Jeff Daniels uh, speech about, uh, I used to love the stars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, this is hot. It is hot. When, when they were the original stars. Yes. Oh, my God, it was the greatest thing in the world. But you were younger and... Rosy-cheeked and it was the ready players, it was the winning, it was the arena, it was everything. So you love nostalgia. I do. And I love the way that that happened. Like, the roof would blow off Reunion Arena. The, the, the players, or the fans were right on top of the players. The players were all charismatic, and they're probably our age, so that, you know, leads to the connection a little bit more. They won all the time. It was just, I really, really loved the stars. And I loved the job and loved everything about it. It was just amazing. And we've been through some tough times here, Daryl, you know, we've, a little bit of separation, maybe uh, different houses. Uh, uh, and we got to try and get back together. And I really do think they're trying very hard to get that feeling back. You love again. the effort. I do love the effort. Yes. And uh, when they have had the playoffs at American Airlines Center, uh, I love the vibe in there. But they, they need to start winning. They isn't need that, to start creating that, that again. Though, uh, what I love is I love the passion of our our core fans, and it is a passion. Yeah. When I was at a Super Bowl party and that, and guys were trying to talk to me, they're always awkward. Trying to impress you? <laughs> no, no, no. They're just always a little awkward because they're not as deep into the sport as you would maybe like. But they talk about that. They they're amazed by that. Just how passionate. Our fans seem to be yeah. for the team, primarily, and the sport. They're just like, man, like they, you talk to someone or you run across someone, they are like into it, into it, and trying really hard to drag you to their side. And I, yes. I've always, I've always really appreciated that. I mean, they are fully invested. Those fans. Yeah, I love our our colors. Oh. Like, I, I look back at any other edition, uh, even the ones they won in, uh, and it was a different time. There right. were lots of dark jerseys in that back then. But, man, when you see our that victory green on anything, any uh, digital platform on television, it is instantly recognizable. It, pop, it looks awesome. It looks, it looks uh, a little enough retro... You know, like it's not some ridiculous, oh, here's the future. And yet it, it looks it looks modern. Right. It looks like yesterday modern. Would you agree with that, Totsi? Yeah. Yeah. Fair what assessment. do you love? You know what I love? I love the team playing. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing five five games on the road right now. <laughs> I love the playing. Of course you do. It's awesome. You can't take it. It is. You know what? It is awesome. You know what they, they did for us, too? They went up a level by getting thicker blankets and softer pillows. I noticed that. To go with our three meals we can choose from <laughs> and, our, and our pre-flight food. You, you might want two on the flight. You never know. It's, so, it's you know, like it's a two-hour flight. It's a very it's, good point, Totsi. <laughs> I love it. There is nothing I don't love about that other than the fact that we're on it too much. <laughs> we travel a lot. All right, I'll give you another one, uh, Tyler yesterday went out and uh, worked at his uh, rink for one of his charities. Um, and Saw I that. just thought that was great. Uh, yes. and, and when you start looking at what people do, um, 
in addition to playing hockey uh, uh, to See, help the community. There's the reporter storyteller in you. I know. Well, that. you know, you just look at some of the things. Vern Fiddler, like you just see him interacting with fans. He loves it. He like he genuinely loves talking to the fans. I mean, that I don't know what other loves sport- to be loved. It goes back to yeah. my my Valentine. Yeah, to me myself Loved, and my I. love triangle Valentine. I love myself. Myself loves me. Me loves I. But there's like fans in there for other people. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> allowing them. I'm allowing them in. Well, okay. You know, they can like absorb the aura yes. of your love and enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go from love to hate. Oh, not really hate, but for this, we'll call it love to hate. Another coach got popped. Now this was like a mercy killing. This was like shooting the man in the gut and then watching him bleed out over a couple of months. Randy Carlisle got fired in Anaheim. You know, one side of me almost appreciates what maybe they're doing there. Right. And another side of me looked at it and was just like, man, that's just loyalty gone wrong. And of the guys that have gone back, to where they once were, the only guy who's still chugging along and they're doing well is is Claude Julian in in Montreal. Yeah. Hitch came back here, lasted a year. Uh, Randy went back there and lasted three is it three four yeah something like that. You know, it wasn't terrible. No, no. I mean, I, I remember but at it, one point in time saying Randy Carlisle can win in yeah. Anaheim and no place else. But it it sure does seem like it's. Terrible right now, or at least it was. And the GM's going to go down there and go in behind the bench for a little bit, which doesn't happen that often anymore, and and should be pretty interesting. So six guys, six guys now got fired after zero last year. I was thinking that the money that they were making was going to help protect them, but the bottom line is it's easier to fire the coach than that's nineteen percent of the coaches in the league that got fired this year. Yeah, no other sport. No. Gets not in the middle of the year. No, I mean, the, that's amazing. That's why I'm so glad that these guys have sort of banded together and that they do make more money than they ever did before because they're just disposable. Yeah. They're they do disposable. land on their feet a lot in this sport. Oh, yeah. They're recycled a lot. All the time. Right. Over and over. So then, as much as you just have to change your address, but still, still just coaching. getting fired, yeah. you know? Just fired. And you know darn well that there are so many other mitigating circumstances within there, but it's just like, let's fire the guy behind the bench. So that's the third in the Pacific. <laughs> There's only eight teams in there. Uh, so they take, the, they take the lead now over the Central, right. who have fired two. Yeah. And the Metro's fired one. And the Atlantic, where we are right now, everybody's good. They have no problem with any of them. Give them time. <laughs> uh, are you interested in how much they've kind of bounced back? I mean, it took them a little while, but St. Louis is oh yeah trending up. Chicago is trending up. We ran a bunch of, of uh, heavy graphics right around the time because we, we saw St. Louis and we saw Philadelphia. And for the most part, I think the, at that point, the team that had the biggest improvement after a coaching change was Edmonton. Right. That that just took a dark turn or taken a dark turn. Yeah. Uh, look, the, 
it's the old adage, right? There's a reason why. It, it's like when people, this isn't a very Valentine's uh, Day <laughs> uh, topic either. There's a reason uh, why divorce is so expensive, because it's worth it. There's a reason why coaches get fired, because it works. Right. Or it has worked. Uh, and that's showing itself in St. Louis right now. I think Craig Berube, Chief's done a great job yep. there. But goaltending is a humongous part of it. Same thing in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, you think Couldn't that goaltending helps? Yep. Kid comes up, which I was lobbying for early, I believe on a previous rinky-dinking that I pointed out, if you got an elite world-class goaltender who's 20, how is he different than Elias Pettersson in right. Vancouver? Put him in. Yep. And they did. And they're winning. They're not going to make the playoffs, it doesn't look like, but they're scaring things. Chicago might. Yeah. Which is stunning. From where they were to where they are now. Oh. It's amazing. You know, that, they're the perfect example. The guy's, what, 32? Joel Quenville's going to make $6 million for as long as he wants to. Right. To not coach. And a team that everyone just sat there and was throwing dirt on and thinking, well, that's the end of Chicago's run. Right. Um, who knows? They might sneak themselves into a... They're going to get Corey Crawford back here, yeah, too. That that's a huge one. Um, so just... Th I was thinking of the Ducks. Like, how much... Well, no, not only the Ducks, the Ducks and the Avs. How much do the Ducks and Avs miss Cogs and Como? It's a really interesting debate because, you know, I'm out there interfacing with the fans, and I think they just hate because these players don't... Uh, uh, Fit well in the analytics. Who? Those two? Uh, yeah, Cogliano and Como. They're just. Well, but if you look at what they mean in the room, it's it's amazing. And and when you look at teams that don't have that, you know, they really miss it. Yeah, they're called glue guys. Yeah, and, and it, voices. I mean, as much as I really appreciate analytics and everything like that, there is a part of this that you can't True. describe. And those are those guys. And the fact that, like, I love Devin Shore. I think he really is a, a very good hockey player, very good person. But he doesn't have the voice in the room that Andrew Cogliano has. And so when you bring in that voice, it makes a difference for 8, 10, 20 different players because it makes that much difference to everybody. Well, the Ducks are 2-8 and eight in the 10 games since the trade. They were 0-7 and 4 prior to that, so yeah. it wasn't going very well anyway. Uh, Colorado has four wins in 21 games since they beat the Stars. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? I, I'm shocked. I mean, they were a one-line team, so you can always say that, that that was a problem, but so are the Stars, and they, but they're Blake, finding I, ways to I remember to win. talking with uh, Blake Como prior to the season about the turnaround. I mean, from being historically the worst team the year before, and then making the playoffs last year. Yeah. And, you know, he talked about all the things you'd expect Blake Como to talk about and why he's such a valuable guy within your group. Uh, the embarrassment factor and, you know, not going to let that happen again, and especially, and he named a, a couple other guys, sort of their core leader right. guys, and they stuck around this summer, and, and they turned it around. And when you don't have guys like that to maybe help Stop the bleeding a little bit and move it along. Yep. Right. I think it affects things. Stars are five, three, and one, I think, now since the trade. Does that sound right? Sounds about right. Trade deadline. Yes. 
The window is about to open. I'll tell you what. Play a little musical interlude. I'm going to go open the window. We'll talk about the deadline. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my money right. Oh. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spent that on a necklace. Oh. Coaches are hired to be fired. Players are signed to be traded. That's a bit of a reach, yeah. isn't it? But, but I will say this. There having, is movement. Yeah, and having the late trade deadline, I think it really does inspire teams that are sliding out to trade players to get well, something. Well, they moved it just because there were so many teams in that nobody, it, was, it was frozen. Right. The market was just frozen because everyone's still in it. Why yeah. would I dump players? Why would I do this? Do, so. But the combination of late, yeah, I agree. late because that changes the standings. So it's and, when? Uh, February 25th. All right. So, so late because it changes the standing. So now you have a separation between in and out. Right. And then also you don't have that much salary left on a, a player's contract. So you could get a six or seven million dollar player. And even the cap hit isn't that, you know, onerous. Uh, and that just makes people want to trade. The term expiring contract has become into our uh, common usage over the last, it seems like over the last maybe five years or yeah. something like that, where teams will take that in. Are we keeping you awake, Tootsie? All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll power through this here. Yawn, boy. The deadline this year for Dallas, you anticipate being what? Jim Nill and his department have until the 25th to look at the injured, the the healthy, the opportunity, the mistakes that you can make at this time of year, everything. And what do you anticipate is going to happen? I, I can't read him because I just he's very close to the vest and, and I think his ideas change. But I can tell you what I would do if you're in year six of a program. Fantasy GM. That's right. Uh, and you have announced the time to win is now. I think you got to make a significant splash. And if it costs you a first-round draft pick, fine. If it costs you some of your prospects, fine. You have potential cap space from Mark Mathot, uh, Martin Hansel, and uh, um, well, oh, and possibly Stephen John. I don't think they're going to do Stephen Johns. I think they'll, they'll wait on that. But, but Mathot and Hansel, that's almost $9 million or $10 million. Uh, so, you know, that's money that can make you swing a deal. So then if you have that cap space and other teams don't have it, you step right to the front of the line and being able to pull the trigger on some pretty big deals. So you look at this right now, when I look at it, uh, and you've got Tyler Pitlick, not that he scored a bunch, nope. but he, he's an everyday guy on your team and a right winger Yep, that's not going to be available for eight weeks. Correct. Just gone. You have others that are within the lineup. Just It's been a rough year scoring goals. It's not like all of a sudden there's just going to be a snap-your-finger moment and everybody's going to score. This team has three 10-goal scores at game 55. For the 30th time in 55 games this year, they scored two or fewer right. the other night or day, I guess it was, in Arizona. Uh, they... They need some kind of a punch offensively. Correct. At the, I think, at the deadline. As a rental. Yeah. Just, they got any, it's not even about, okay, we feel pretty comfortable we're going to get in. 
in, in order to win a, a series, we're going to need somebody else to put the puck in the net. This is about getting in still. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's what I think is interesting is I really do think they have taken a nice step forward after the break and they've created some different type of hockey that we've seen that is competitive every game and it's very competitive in third periods, which leads you to believe, well, maybe they're moving in the right direction. But you still got... Rope Hint isn't scoring, and Dennis Kirianov isn't scoring, and Jason Spetz isn't scoring, and Andrew. I mean, like, go down the list. Oh, I have. And you're I do like, the games. You I understand know you do. that. I don't do you? that. And I think the fans <laughs> have done the same thing, and you're like, I like a lot of this stuff. Somebody has to score. <clears throat> and if one guy can do it, there is a chance that that actually starts yeah. a chain reaction of, okay, now we're up two to one or two to nothing. And now, hey, look, somebody else scores and somebody else scores. And now you don't have that mental burden of not scoring. And Well, and yeah, on your defensive game, too, it's wonderful that they have lurked around second, third, fourth yeah. in goals against average. That, that allows you to hang. It, it covers up when you get banged up. It, it holds you in when you got a ton of games all in a short period of time. Some things that just weren't in place in past around right. here. Unfortunately, they've flipped this script completely to where they are the antithesis uh, of what they used to be. And it would be nice to get a little mixture of it. And that mixture would be a scorer. So if you look at the list of the supposed availables, I'll just throw some names at you. So Simmons in Philadelphia. I'm just talking right now. No, no, I know. Stone in Ottawa. Silverberg in Anaheim. Nyquist in Detroit. Anybody else that should be on that list? And of that list, who 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 super GM Mike Heike would you sell everything for? If sell everything for would be Mark Stone. Yeah. I mean he's the guy who's like you just look and we talk about analytics. He's such a Fabulous two-way player. Oh my God! That steals pucks from everyone. And and you're just like, wouldn't that be the perfect fit for this yeah, organization? A player who can turn defense into offense. So that's to me is the best one. Now we still don't know if Silverberg's got a little bit of yep. history with Cogliano. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I think your guy uh, to add a little bit of speed, Zuccarello, if he's available. Um, and then the other wild card in all of this is is a center a 20-something center who might even actually have years or term on his contract going to become available. I mean, we're talking about Huberto here. You're talking about Hayes in uh, or Kreider in New York. I mean, like, if they could do one of those centers that would help you for years to come, would that be something they would consider? I mean, it's just a, a it wild just, The card. center thing seems like a summer Yeah, it does. Because they've got – they're so set at center right now that – Well, they, there's – Lots of guys who can play center. Right. And I just don't know that there's a, uh, an individual that's going to be a massive so upgrade good. on right. what you have that's going to be available. Might be a little smidge yeah. of an upgrade, but not that much. They tried to get Tavares in the summer. It's pretty obvious. They're looking at centers. Yes. Yes. Uh, what about on defense? You mentioned Mathot is toast. Uh, we don't know about Stephen Johns. Correct. You, around this time of year, you can never have too many of them. No. And I love Roman Polak, but I think he might be scaled up too high. So if you can find a three or four that pushes him to the third pair, and then you're like, okay, I like that. Yeah. So really what you're, what you're trying to do here before the 25th 
is reconstruct what you had on paper before Hansel yes. in his surgery didn't work. Uh, Pitlick uh, had wrist surgery. Mathot surgeries didn't work. Stephen John's in limbo. Yeah. And give yourself a fighting chance here in the final couple of, uh, what is it, a month, uh, two months? Yeah. Basically. And, and get yourself in, and who knows what kind of damage you could do once you get in. Yeah. Scare the dickens off. Well, you know what's funny, too, is we're in the room every day, and I do think these players are, I don't want to say more serious, but they feel that they have an opportunity here. And so if they feel that, I think you kind of have to reward them and give them a little carrot out there like, hey, we feel you have an opportunity here, too. You know, and, yeah. and I mean, I know the Winnipeg's and the Nashville's are they, good no, and everything like that. I agree. But go in there with a fighting chance. Yeah. If you're going to make the playoffs and play Nashville in the first round, let's go, like you say, get a chance to scare the bejeebers out of somebody. They've matured a little bit, I think, as a, as a group. The guys that have been here, you know, John Klingberg, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, they you know, you forget that that little core has been together now for six years. And they're kind of hungry. Yeah. They're, yeah they, <laughs> the fridge is open. No question about that. They're a little bit uh, hungry. And I, I don't know whether that used to be almost a given. You, you know, a GM would sit back yeah. and say, my team's telling me that that they'd like to do something here. And uh, they're, I'm going to try to help them yeah. and give them a little something. You got a, the caveat in all this is they were right around this spot at this time last year, Correct. too. And it whew, went down, circled a drain, circled the toilet bowl, and they missed out. So we'll see. Well, we, uh, we, I guess we'll be talking post or during our next session of Rinky Dinking. The trade? Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. The window open. But it, it'll be it falls on a Tuesday yeah, on so. a Monday, pardon yeah. me. And so that's we, usually when we so pull two this weeks, together. Yeah, we'll we'll probably have to react. We have to go. Oh Monday, my God! Monday and you know evening. where we'll be reacting? Vegas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that'll you know, be that'll be entertaining. <laughs> you know what they say about Vegas? What is said on Rinky Dinking there stays on Rinky Dinking there. I'll leave you with one more Valentine, if you. You're interested, or multiples, doesn't matter. My favorite one, I've seen this year after year, and it is so true, Mike Heike and Jeff Totes. Quote, screw high school and grown-up life. In elementary school, the whole class was your valentine. We were in this crap together. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.